So, our series for November is entitled The Journey. Let me begin this morning by just uh, giving you a little bit of a setup for what we're talking about today. And, and, and I was thinking this week, um, you know, I, I, my wife and I are both in education. My wife is really in education. And, of course, we've been dealing with, as any of you with children or any of you who are dealing with schools, with uh, as of March 13th, Friday the 13th in March, um, our school as we know it shut down and uh, closed. And so since then, we've been we've embarked on this grand experiment of uh, of uh, online learning and Zoom classes and all that kind of stuff, homeschooling, and uh, it, it's working for some kids, but for a whole lot of kids, it is. Uh, probably not going to work too well for various reasons because having to do with um, parental support technological uh, you know ability the presence or lack of high-speed internet uh, whatever so I, I mean i came to a conclusion uh, personally and i was thinking about this over the last several weeks i said for a lot of children a lot of young people this is going to be a lost year uh, educationally, and and we're going to pay a price, and kids are going to be set back, and and their educational development will be stunted and and stymied because of because of the pandemic. And I raise that issue to to make this parallel, or to make this assertion. For us, spiritually speaking, it might be that we could allow this season to stunt our spiritual growth. But we have an opportunity that maybe doesn't exist in other realms. We have an opp- the opportunity to use this season and to allow God through this season. I gotta, I gotta click this button here. Hold on here a second. Oh no, that's right. Everything's right. Through this season to grow us and to mature us and to move us forward so that however long this pandemic season lasts, it is not for us spiritually or even as a church a lost year or a lost 18 months. But by the grace of God, hopefully when we come out of this thing, we can say that I was able to grow and mature and get deeper into things of God and learn more about Jesus. And we as a church were able to grow more, 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 more connected in our fellowship and more devoted and dedicated to the things of God. And we, we didn't get worse. We got, got better. We grew up rather than growing down. Amen. And so this morning, the message, the second part of this series is, is this. It's called this, From Visitation to Habitation. Yeah, let me just, and, and now this is going to, I hope you can follow me through this because this, this, we kind of go in a little bit on this one. I, I, over these last 33 weeks up to today, number 34, I, I, I think I have, I've given you encouragement. I've given you hope. I've given you uh I've given you words to challenge you to, to keep on keeping on and to be and to persevere. I've given you words of comfort and encouragement. Uh, I've we've talked about the possibility and the potential for renewal. You know, we've covered a lot of stuff, and and my focus has been to un, to undergird and to support us through this difficult time because I knew we were going we would need that, and we have needed it. And God, in His grace and His mercy, has up held us. As I look across this screen this morning, I see a, 
uh, a group of people that it's the most consistent participation we've ever had in the history of our church. And it's been beautiful. And I'm grateful for that. But today I want to talk to you about growing spiritually. I want to challenge us today to go a little deeper in the things of God and to use this opportunity to grow up spiritually a little bit. And, and when you talk about visitation versus habitation, you know, a, a visitation from God is when you have an experience. And many of you know, some of you have chased experiences because you were maybe in a church and you, were, you, know, you went from experience to experience. And so God would show up and then he would disappear. God would, you know, at a revival meeting or at a certain time. And in the case of, of, of Moses in the Old Testament, there, we'll see that there are these times when, when he had these, these encounters with God. But in the text we read this morning, and I'll review the verse, the key verse in a moment. What Moses is looking for is something different. He's looking for habitation. It's where the Spirit of God and, and, and the power of God dwells with you and you dwell with God. And so it's not, see, I mean, I, I, I can visit a friend's house, but I live at 205 Amethyst with Charlotte, okay? I live, I, I inhabit this house. Visitation is one thing, but there's nothing like a home where you live and dwell and when you, 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 you coexist with those that, 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 that share that home with you. And that, that's, that's the issue here. So what happens is in Exodus 33, 18, and the, the passage that Dorcas so beautifully read for this, this morning, the, 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 the culmination of that passage, passage is this. Then Moses said, and he says this to God, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. Now, you know, if, if you're a, a mom or a dad, one of the things that might particularly annoy you more than anything else is to see your, your son that you've raised to be a man acting like a little boy. You know, a, a parent invests a lot of time in a son, and, and a parent wants that son to grow up and be a man, and a healthy parent doesn't, a healthy mom, for instance, doesn't want that boy to become a mama's boy. You want to release him, that mother would want to release him into manhood. And, and, and that doesn't begin when the child turns 21. It begins when that child is born as a, as a, as a, as a slow but gradual and definitive process of, of leading that child into maturity, into where that child can be self-actualizing and make their own choices and make right choices. And real, so real parenting begins at birth. And, and even at, say, 12 months or so, a good parent begins to teach that child lessons of maturity, such as delayed gratification and how to treat others with respect. This message this morning is about this. It's about growing up in God. As we walk with the Lord, we will enter new seasons. We talked about seasons last week. We'll enter new seasons in our lives in which God will remind us of this. You are getting too big for that. Remember telling, maybe, maybe if you're raised kids, you may be told the kid, you're too big for that, right? And God will, God will say to us, in essence, at certain points in our, in our journey, you're getting too big for that. I, I want to move you into a new season of maturity. God may be saying to us, you know, you're too big to simply go through the motions of religiosity. It's time to go deeper in God. He may be saying to us, you're too big to come to church only for what you can get out of it. It's time to start seeking God's face and not just his hand, if you know what I mean. It's time to move from visitation to habitation. 
God requires of us to go on to maturity, not just physical or social maturity, but spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity is that point in your relationship with God where you realize, first of all, that you don't know everything. You acknowledge that life is a journey and you understand that God is your partner in that journey. And for some of you, you know what I'm talking about. God may, you may have been seeking signs and wonders early on in your Christian life and God may have shown you a few of those things to show you who he is. But at some point you shouldn't need signs and wonders to maintain your faith in God. At some point, you have to know that God is present, whether there is, as in the case of Moses, a burning bush or not. But for too many of us, our faith in God is so fragile that it rests on somebody else's life. Let me tell you, let me explain what I'm talking about. You love God passionately until somebody makes you mad or until some, some negative experience comes into your life. Then all of a sudden, you don't want to go to church anymore. You believe in God until some church leader fails to live up to your expectations. Then all of a sudden, your faith gets shaken. But at some point, beloved, you have to have a faith in God that stands, even if you run into people that are Christians whose character and conduct are not becoming of their profession of faith. Even when you disagree with a wide swath of fellow Christians on matters of of, of, of political policy and, and, and allegiance, right? You have to grow to a point where you can say, I know who God is. You can't make me doubt him because I know him for myself. So, 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 so spiritual maturity has to do with settling in with God for the long haul and realizing there is so much of God that it's going to take you all of your life and all of eternity to plumb the depths of who God really is. From visitation to habitation is a phrase that Tommy Tenney uses in his book, The God Chasers, where he tells the story of Moses on the mountain. Moses is essentially saying to God this in that verse we read. He's saying when he says, now show me your glory, he's essentially saying this. I want to go deeper in you. I want to move from simply having experiences of you to a relationship with you so that you are with me and I know that you're with me all the time. In other words, Moses is saying, in effect, I want to begin to know more and more about who you are. This is moving from visitation to habitation. And it's certainly more than just Jesus on Sunday morning. It's taking the name of Jesus with you when you leave church. And the real proof of that you have the Holy Spirit in your life is not how high you jump on Sunday, right? But how straight you walk when you come down. Moving from visitation to habitation means saying to God, Lord, I want to go as deep into, into you as you will allow me. I want you to do with me as you please. In other words, you surrender everything to God. This is a deeper meaning behind that uh, phrase that you hear sometimes that says, God is not interested in your ability, but in your availability. God can do extraordinary things to ordinary people but only if they surrender themselves. And and this was the point that Moses had come to when he says, God, show me your glory. Because, you know, by this time, Moses had had a lot of experiences with God, more than you and I could ever imagine. Moses had seen the burning bush that was not consumed, right? He'd seen the miracles in Egypt. 
He'd watched God part the Red Sea. He'd gotten the manna from on high. He'd had a number of conversations with God on the mountain and in the tent of meeting. And he'd been protected by God with a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. Moses had even made some mistakes. But guess what? God had forgiven him. Moses had come a long way with God, and yet Moses says, God, I know that there is more to you, and I want to go deeper in you. And so in Exodus 33, Moses says to God, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. In fact, it's God's presence that differentiated the people of Israel from the people around them, because it was God's presence that sustained them. It wasn't just God's stuff, but it was his presence. So the question this morning is this, how do we move from visitation to habitation? I'm going to introduce a phrase to you that I think is important, and I, and I know for some of you it may seem foreign, but, but this is a real deal, and this is, this, is, this is the Bible. First of all, we need a hunger for holiness. When Moses said, please show me your glory, he's saying this, I I need more of you, God. I want to go past these experiences with you and get right up in your face. Show me your glory. This is the second time that Moses had been on the mountain receiving the law from God. The first time he received the law, he came down from the mountain, and guess what? The Israelites were were, were freaking out uh, with the golden, you know, they made a golden calf, and Moses got mad and broke the tablets of the law, and in the process of destroying the golden calf. And this time he comes up to the mountain, he says to God, he says, Listen, God, I need more than your stuff. I need you. A lot of American Christianity is about seeking God's stuff, seeking the blessings, seeking the provision, seeking uh, even in some cases wealth and affluence. But see, a hunger for holiness means that we want not just God's stuff, but we want more of him. This is what a hunger for holiness really means, recognizing your need for more of God in your life. Matthew 5, 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In other words, God gets excited about people who hunger and thirst for him. Now, there's a difference between, by the way, having the Holy Spirit at salvation and being full of the Holy Spirit. If you study with me on Wednesday night, you know we talked about this over the last couple of weeks. This means seeking a, an encounter with God. It means letting go of everything that gets in the way of a fresh move of God in your life. So Moses goes up on the mountain to make this request, and it may be that you and I, and, you know, we're coming into a new year. There'll be some ample opportunities maybe for that. That we, You and I need to get alone with God and seek God ourselves if we're ever going to really grow into spiritual maturity as he would have us to grow. A hunger for holiness is not just about, it's not just about getting alone with God, but it's also, let me introduce another word to you, expectation. It's also about having an expectation when you come into his presence or when you come to church. Having an expectation means that you believe something is going to happen when you're in his presence. I read about an older man who uh, a a preacher met on the golf course and found that this guy rode a motorcycle, of course played golf, and would still ski. And uh, 
he explained to the younger man why he did not consider himself old. He said, let me tell you why I'm not old. I'm not under any illusions, the man said. He said, I'm 83 years old. He said, but that is not old. Check this out. He said, old is when you stop expecting. You hear that? Old is when you think you've got it all together, when you think you can't learn anything else new, when you stop expecting something. And see, I don't want my, my body's going to inevitably age, although I'm doing everything I can to avert that. But I don't ever want my spirit to get old. But, but I believe if you're someone who has a hunger for holiness, your spirit will never get old, no matter what your chronological age, because there's always something more available in God. Listen, beloved, let me tell you this. I don't care how spiritual you might think you are right now. There is always more to God. There's a sense in which which Moses is saying, Lord, I thank you for for what we have, but I know there's more to you. And God says to Moses this. Now, there's this thing of of revelation and mystery here. God says to Moses, he says, I'm going to show you some stuff, but I can't show you everything. I'm going to allow my goodness to pass by you. And so in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, God passes by and calls out his name. And God is saying, I'm going to show you my nature and my character. I'm going to expose you to what I am about and, and who I am. In his book, Gift and Giver, the Holy Spirit for Today, Craig Keener says that God's glory can be summarized as being full of covenant love and covenant faithfulness. In other words, when he passed by, it was full of grace and truth. Thank you, Alice, for those words about truth this morning. God exposes Moses to a new dimension of who he is. And that's what God wants to give you and I, a new revelation of himself. God wants to let us in on what he's doing in our lives and in the world. God wants to show you more about who he is, but only if you're hungry for him. And get this, and here's the next next step in this, only if you're faithful to what he's already shown you. Faithfulness is the key. God's not going to show you the next thing he has for you if you haven't been faithful to what he's already shown you. If you want to know more about God, if you want to go deeper in God, you've got to be faithful to what you already know. If you want to go deeper in God, you've got to start doing what you know he's already told you to do. Now, I know this, this, this now what I'm going to say here, this might not apply to any of y'all. We're talking about other folks, okay, at the other church. Uh, Some folks may want to move from visitation to habitation, but they already know what God is demanding of them, and they don't want to do it. (laughs) God wants to show you many things, but as as he said to Moses, no, not my face. This speaks of the imperfect knowledge that you and I have of God, even on our best days. You can't handle all his glory. You can't handle everything he knows and everything he is. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we see in a mirror dimly. Deuteronomy 28, 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever. Revelation 10, 4 says that when seven thunders had uttered their voices, John was about to write, but he heard a voice from heaven telling him to seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and not write them. In other words, 
and you know one of the one of the things if we're going to be if we're going to think well and we're going to be uh, be, be solid in our faith, we have to understand the paradox. We have to understand. Uh, we have to understand tension. That some things, sometimes it's not either or, but things that exist in tension with each other. And there's the tension between revelation and mystery. There are some things that God says we can't know and can't handle. And those of us who are spiritually mature and growing are, in the words of 1 Timothy 3.8, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. We're not shaken by the fact that that some things about God we can know and some remain mystery. We're good with that. And you know what? And and this takes me to the next, why that matters. Let me tell you about me. I don't want a God I can figure out. I can't figure out my wife. That's a joke. <laughs> I kind of can, but 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 even in a relationship like ours, there's a mystery, and that's what keeps it exciting and fun because you spend your whole life really learning one another and growing deeper in that relationship. But I, I don't want a God I can figure out. I, I, I'm more comfortable with a God whose ways are higher than my ways, and according to, and according to Isaiah fifty-five eight nine, whose thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Why? Because I am a, a finite being dealing with infinite reality. If I have a finite God that I fully figured out, then when my finite self with my well-figured-out finite God bumps into the harsh, infinite realities of life, uh, they're, those things are bound to overwhelm me. But if my God is bigger than my own thought process and I can't figure out what I'm dealing with, in that case, then I'm in trouble. But I mean, was that, did I confuse you with that? Let me break it down. Here it goes. I've got a God who is bigger than any problem and higher than anything I can deal with. Whatever comes up against me, it's still under God's control, under his authority, because his ways are above my ways, his power is above my power. And even though I don't know about tomorrow, I know who holds tomorrow. And so as long as I've got a God whose ways and thoughts are higher than mine, who knows more than I know and loves me more than I love myself, then I don't care what happens tomorrow. I know that God will be with me and that he can handle it. You see, we'll never get too deep to find out something new. Because Jeremiah says that his mercies are what? New every morning. Every day there's something new to learn about God. And so I'm all right with that tension between revelation and mystery. I don't have to know it all, but I just want to know what God has for me to know today. And so this story, as we kind of focus this a little bit, this story about Moses is written to teach us something. Very important. That everything is available to us in Christ Jesus. And Christ, is, is, Christ shows up in the text, really, in a couple of places. First, we understand him to be the rock. Read him, says, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. The Lord tells Moses, he says, stand on the rock while his glory passed by. Then he put Moses in the cleft of the rock and covered him with his hand while he passed. In other words, what God is saying to Moses is this. If you're going to be exposed to what I'm going to show you, you have to be in a position to handle it. 
Get in the cleft of the rock where I can put my hand on you. God can't expose you to who he is. And you can't be in right relationship with God without being in the rock of ages, Jesus Christ. Being in Jesus is what opens us up to all the possibilities that are in God. It opens us up to a right relationship with God where we learn about God. But even more than that, it opens us up to the full, to the glory of God. Matter of fact, 13 centuries or so later, John writes in John 1.1 and then verse 14, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he goes on to say, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The wording of John 1.14 is in direct relationship really to, to, the, to, to, to Exodus 33. In other words, what Moses saw in, in, part, in, in part 13 centuries ago is what is now available to you and me in, in bold relief and in living color. And, and his name is Jesus. Because Jesus is the full revelation of God and the glory of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Word of God. Jesus is God with us. And that's why Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, if you want to know who God is, take a good long look at Jesus. Jesus said at one point, he said, I, have I been with you this long and you still ask me, show us the Father? The Father's full glory is revealed in Jesus the Christ. So, I'm talking about moving from visitation to habitation. If you want to move from visitation to habitation, you have to be in Jesus Christ. But after you have a right relationship with Jesus Christ, don't just join the church, sit down and wait for heaven. It's one thing to join, but it's another thing to grow. You've got to have this hunger for holiness. In other words, you, you, you ought to come to church, even on Zoom, with some expectations. You should expect to experience God and to leave the fellowship wanting to take God with you. But that's not all. If you want to move from visitation to habitation, you've got to, you, you have to have a, what we used to call a made-up mind. That A made-up mind what? That you don't want to play church. That you that you want to be serious about your spiritual life, that you want to be concerned about growing more and more Christ-like, more and more becoming to be like Jesus. So in closing, as we move from visitation to habitation, one day you'll find that you've grown from this I believe religion to I know faith. God wants you to grow hungry hungry for holiness. God wants you to come to grips with the tension between revelation and mystery. And God wants you to be firmly rooted and grounded in Jesus. He wants to take you deeper, but you can't do that by yourself. It requires a relationship with God, but it also requires being part of a nurturing faith community that will teach the word of God and nurture you in your walk with God. Remember, family, we're on a journey. This journey will take you deeper into God if you desire to go there. Uh, but I believe that only when you have that experience where you acknowledge to God that you need him more than anything else in life, 
Only then will you find those new dimensions in God and move from visitation to habitation. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for uh, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the opportunity to be together once again and to to share uh, to share the things of God together and and the Bible says iron sharpens iron and so we by being together and talking together and praying together and living and loving together we we uh, we're we're able to sharpen one another and to build one another up this morning I pray that the words of this message reach the hearts of your people. It's a call to move from uh, momentary encounters with you, a, a more casual relationship with you, to a deeper relationship with you, to where your presence is, 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 is evident in our lives. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would, I pray that within our fellowship, you've planted a lot of things. And what, the, the, the the greatest of those is the fact that you've planted an incredible love for one another in our in our fellowship. But I pray in these weeks and months going forward, as we as we as we fight our way through this COVID nineteen crisis, that you would plant within each of our hearts a hunger for holiness. That you would take us into a deeper knowledge of who you are, a deeper apprehension of of of, of you. That you would, Lord, if if, if maybe, maybe some of us are in, in a situation where you would look at us, uh, at us and say. You're too old for that. You're too big for that. You need to. You need to grow up. And so, Lord, this morning, if that's the case, that you, you would, you would, you would foster in our lives the things that would enable us to to grow, to mature, and to come out of this COVID thing better than we went in. And I, I said that for many weeks. I said, you know, we're going to get through it. We're going to come out on the other side better. And what is what did that better mean? I think most of all, it means that we'll come out with a deeper knowledge of God, a deeper relationship with Jesus, a, a, a deeper that will come out of this more like you. And so, Lord, I just pray that for us. I pray that you would move our entire congregation from visitation to habitation to where we know that your presence, presence lives and dwells among us. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for your comfort, your encouragement, for how you uphold us and sustain us right now. And I pray your blessing and, 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 and peace upon each one of us today. And I pray that these words will not be discouraging or or, or frustrating anybody, but, but but I pray that you would set up for us to set, set set a higher bar, and and that through that one word expectation that we would expect more and expect greater from you as we move forward. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you. And everyone said, Amen.